Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we are going to be airing some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2021. We're going to start the show with an excerpt of a conversation I had with Roma Downey about the film Resurrection. That's right. That's Roma Downey of Touched by an Angel fame. So you might want to tune in there. Roma Downey about the film that she produced with her husband, Resurrection. And then we meet singer-songwriter David Maris. In our second half hour, we learn all about David and Goliath, a new virtual reality game. And we end the show with a conversation with singer-songwriter Andrea Thomas of The Visual Project. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org podcast. And to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, you can look for me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. It's Deacon Pedro. You can also email me, pedro, at slmedia.org. We begin now with a featured conversation with Roma Downey. After Jesus' resurrection, his followers are terrified and confused. Their leader is dead. The high priests and the Romans are now after them. But worst of all, it seems that the last three years have all been a waste. It's a story that we all know very well. And despite the fact that we all know the ending, we never tire of telling it or hearing it, especially at this time of the year. You may remember the Bible miniseries by producers Roma Downey and Mark Burnett. They followed that series with a film release, The Son of God, and a sequel titled A.D., The Bible Continues. This year, they've produced Resurrection, a film that follows the immediate aftermath of Jesus' resurrection. To tell us more, I'm now joined by co-producer Roma Downey. Roma, it's so good to have you on the program with us today. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So I wanted to ask you about, this is probably not the first question that everybody's asking you, but I'm intrigued by the work you and Mark, your husband Mark Burnett, are doing with Lightworkers Media, um, which I'm assuming that it came, did that come out of the Bible miniseries? And I know you've been involved in a lot of faith projects since. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Lightworkers Media is our, um, you know, is our production company. And we established that actually before the okay. Bible series. Okay. We established it um, with a view to producing and creating content that was uplifting, inspiring, um, encouraging right you know our 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 mantra here is that it's better to light a candle mm. than to curse the darkness yes. and so in any way that we can you know f- encourage people and so from the from the big biblical epic dramas that we've produced mm-hmm. to the smaller pieces of content that we release um, on a daily basis across our social platforms. We've seen this uh, last year in particular with the COVID pandemic and everybody in a kind of shut-in space in their lives that our social platforms have just grown and grown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I think people were just hungry for messages of hope and encouragement. And so uh, you can find that on uh, Lightworkers on Instagram. Yes. Facebook, of course. and, and, and yeah, Yes, and I'm, I'm excited. I wanted to ask you about that because I think that that's the part of your work that people probably don't know or not familiar with that you're doing. You know, they might be, you know, familiar with this, these big projects, Son of God, the Bible miniseries, AD, 
um, resurrection now and then, but you're still doing all these other things. And so, so my, my real question, I guess, the, the, where I wanted to get to is your hope, I, I, I presume, is to help people to strengthen their faith. Do yes. you think that to do that, it's, it's important to always go back to the source? So tell that Jesus story that we all know even though you're telling other stories that are contemporary, but is it, why is it so important to go back to that, to that greatest story that has ever been told? Yeah, well, it, because it is the greatest story <laughs> that's ever been told. And, you know, I think that every few years, you know, it's important that we, that we can update these stories that mm -hmm. with the, you know, cinema and TV viewing audiences are very sophisticated and there's an expectation that, you know, that film should, you know, be of a certain quality and a certain excellence. And, you know, I have vivid memories of, of being a, a, a young girl growing up in Ireland mm -hmm. and gathering together with my own family around the television, particularly at the Easter holiday and watching Jesus of Nazareth or Max von Sydow in The Greatest Story Ever Told, or whatever the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Right. And they were all the greats, and they all still hold an emotional place in our lives. But the truth is, they've all kind of aged out a little bit, you know, In and so we just wanted to have an updated version of this incredible story. It is the cornerstone of our faith. You know, yeah. um, we could remove the nativity story from... The Bible and the New Testament would still hold up, but if you remove the resurrection from yeah. the Bible, it would true. be a very different, a very different story. It's the biggest miracle in the Bible, it's true. It's true. and it reminds us that hope didn't die on the cross. And you know, I think that particularly at this time, when we are a people hungry for hope, mm -hmm. you know, where we, if you will, when we were locked down a year ago if you use the symbolism of the resurrection, we were all locked in our tombs. Mm. We were all disconnected from each other, isolated, cut off. It's been an incredibly lonely time for people. And I think we're all just ready to step out into the light, to, to have a resurrection, if you will, in our lives, in our families, mm. in our businesses, a resurrection in our economies, resurrection in our churches that maybe yes. we can finally start gathering together in community to yes. Yes. worship attend yes. mass and so on so i think that it's the it's just the perfect time for this film yeah it is um i wanted to ask you about characters in the film i i noticed that there are and i think this is a a, a producer choice you can tell me if i'm wrong but there are very strong female characters you know, even though I would say that Peter is probably one of the, the, the main characters, but you have Mary, we have Mary Magdalene, who are prominent in the Gospels. But then there's also Pilate's wife and Caiaphas' wife. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering why that was important to make these women strong characters in the story. Well, I think it's just the, the times that we're living in. You know, I think that um, that it's important to get the female point of view mm -hmm. and some of these stories and... Um, Obviously, particularly uh, the Blessed Mother and uh, Mary Magdalene, you know, I mean, those scenes are so profoundly moving at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. We know from scripture that the only disciple that remained was John uh, the Beloved. And those scenes with the three of them there, you know, and particularly Mary, the mother of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, as a mother to 
to stay and witness the brutal murder of her son must have required tremendous strength and courage. And I feel certain that she wanted to be there so that when he looked down, he could look into the face of love mm. and, you know, and see someone who loved him, loved him so completely. Right. And we know that he only said seven things from the cross. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet one of those things as he was dying, he took time to love his mother too, you know, to take care of her and to give her into the safekeeping of John. So we really tried to present the those early disciples in a way that the audience could relate, that they would feel very human mm -hmm. and, you did. and relatable. Yeah. And, you know, we can probably all see ourselves mm -hmm. in one or other, or maybe little bits of each of them over the course of the film. Yeah. Um, and then what I love is really the ending of the movie. And I don't think there's any spoiler alerts here. We all no. know the story. No. It's the greatest story of all. But we take the audience from the first century uh, and remind them, that, you know, there were just these handfuls of early believers. Mm -hmm. And we then take the audience into the 21st century mm -hmm. and uh, with shots, you know, from the Vatican and mm -hmm. various places of Christian worship around the mm -hmm. world and remind the audience that it, it went from just a few. And now there's over 2.2 billion Christians in the world today. And I, I just think it's so you know, it's a th it's a thrilling moment too. It's a thrilling moment to be right. reminded of that that we belong to each other. Yes, I, I agree. I, I I've always the Acts of the Apostles is my most favorite book, um, and and it's because I feel that we it's our story. We are still in the Acts of the Apostles, and so that's right. us. So I love that that connection. I wanted to ask you about um, if and I don't know if this was your experience working in touch by an angel but i've heard so many stories of 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 actors crew that are working on certain films of faith especially uh, uh stories like you know the story of jesus and that they've had some conversions are there any conversion stories that you yeah. came across either working in we, this or or other projects yeah i mean on 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 all of them absolutely yeah um and untouched by an angel, it was just such a, a blessed set. We would pray before those scenes really? where we would deliver the message. The message was always the same. The stories differed, but oh. the message was the same, that there is a God. He loves you. He wants to be part of your life. And Della Reese and I would hold hands yes. and we would pray every week before those oh scenes. And, you know, at the height of its success, over 25 million people tuned in every week. I believe to get that message. Yes. And we had so many letters of hearts open, lives changed, healings, you know, healings within families. Um, and so that was just always such incredible feedback. And then we know from all our partnerships and friends and pastors and churches around mm -hmm. uh, uh, US and Canada that when the Bible series was on, there were so many people who came to Christ. There were so many people maybe who had fallen away, who came mm -hmm. back It brought people closer to God. And, you know, to be able to combine what you believe with what you do is incredible. That's and to yes. get to work with this kind of content, make oh, these programs, 
um, has just been, you know, it's humbling. It's a privilege. Yes. It's great fun. Mark and I love doing it together. Yeah. You know, I have friends that say, I couldn't even <laughs> hang wallpaper with my husband. Yes. We would be fighting, yes. you know, and we joke that the real miracle is we're still speaking to each other. But, yes. Yes. But we are, you know, we, we love it. We actually have another film coming down the pipeline. Okay. It's tentatively called Disciples. Uh-huh. And we imagine that, you know, it's the sort of third of a, of a uh, of a trio of films, Son of God, Resurrection, okay. and Disciples. And it will take us right into the Book of Acts. So you're really going to love that one. Oh, I, oh, uh, I look forward to that. Absolutely. And, Paul and, you know, and, uh, and how that whole story pl- plays out. So, yeah, yeah lots of great things going on at Lightworkers. Yeah, it's a, where, I'm, I'm very, you know, very interested yeah, it's in learning really more. It's really been a fruitful time even though, you know, we're, we're living our lives on Zoom and all of our meetings on Zoom at this time, but we're still able to push forward. Mm. And, you know, we have a great small but feisty team. Yes. And, um, you know, we're it just sounds like it. It doing sounds the best like it. we can to, to shine the light. And as light workers, you know, of course, God, Jesus is the light. We're just the workers. Yes. You know? Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah maybe in closing Roma, what are your hopes for the film? What, what do you hope that the viewers are going to get for, or maybe not just this film resurrection, but from all the work at light work, light workers. Well, I just hope that it's comforting, you know, that it uh, inspires them, you know, and particularly, I think that, you know, as we mentioned the need for hope at this time, that, that this, that to be reminded in full technicolor, Mm-hmm. of the beauty and wonder and miracle of the resurrection that it will help um you know all the fears and anxieties of this time that we've come through can slowly melt away and as we can step back into the it's a reminder you know i hope that it just serves as a reminder for folks um that we are the resurrection people Right. And Alleluia is our song. Amen. That's a wonderful place to end. Thank you, Roma. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, thank you and your husband, Mark, for all the work that you do. I hope that there's more to come. Thank you so much. God bless. Happy Easter Easter to you too. Bye-bye. Roma Downey is an actress, producer, and author best known for her role as Monica in the popular CBS series Touched by an Angel. She and her husband, Mark Burnett, are the producers of the new film Resurrection, which will premiere on Discovery Plus on March 27 and be available throughout the Easter season. And here now is David Mares with his setting of Psalm 116, I will take the cup of salvation. I will take the cup of salvation and call on the
was David Mares with Psalm 116, I Will Take the Cup of Salvation. David Mares is a musician, a composer, singer, and worship leader who serves as the music director at St. Timothy Catholic Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And as part of that job, David spends a lot of time composing songs and making arrangements for the Mass, which are published through Worship Now Publishing. David also writes, records, and performs with his band, Ever New, uh, which recently re released their EP, Victorious. Uh, and so to tell us more, I am, uh, I'm very pleased to be joined now by David Maris. Uh, David, is, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I have to tell you that it's, it's funny. So St. Tim's, in case people do, so St. Tim's is the parish. That's where Tom Booth, uh, right? Is that the right parish? Yeah, the, the Tom Booth, Matt Marr. Uh, and so last week, Nick Garza was on this show. And I, you must know Nick because he was like, well, I grew up at St. Tim's. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the Catholic Church in Phoenix is taking over my program. We need to <laughs> get people from other, other churches and other states. Um, anyway, it's, it's great to see all the good fruit that's coming out of that parish, I guess. Um, and it must, be, uh, it must be a joy for you to be working there. Oh, I love being there. It's a community that's on fire for the faith. That's for Amen. Sure. I know. I know. Um, but let's not talk about that yet. I, I'm curious to know what it was like uh, for you growing up. Did you grow up in Phoenix? Uh, I'm presuming a Latino family. Tell me about that. I grew up in Colorado, actually. Okay. In, in the mountains just outside of Denver. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, that's where, I mean, my parents were, they, they're from New Mexico. So that's where, you know, okay. they're family history kind of is from there, but they moved to, to Colorado and then raised me there uh, in the mountains. And, um, and then I moved to Arizona when I went to the university of Arizona in Tucson. Okay. Right. Okay. So, um, Catholic family, I guess you grew up Catholic. Yeah, I grew up Catholic. Good yeah. Latino family. Um, <laughs> what, uh, a big family, brothers, sisters, or I have one sister. So. Okay. Pretty small family but okay was there a lot of music like where does the music connection come in for you oh yeah yeah music in the house just all growing up yeah i mean my parents love listening to music my dad played guitar okay. my mom in the choir at church all right so that really brought me up in the sense of music ministry and so i remember going to her choir rehearsals and okay playing outside the church outside while she was rehearsing with the choir and just being really raised up with this sense of uh yeah, serving the church in that way. And I, I fell in love with music just on my own in the, the way I just attending mass and learning how to pray at mass. Mm -hmm. uh, but also a lot of that was their, you know, their own service and their own love of music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Did you, uh, I mean, I know that you were, you learned to play drums or and, and keyboard, right? Growing up, is that something you wanted to do or did your parents kind of sort of make you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I remember I wanted to learn piano, but when I started getting into it, it was, it was yeah, not too exciting as a little yeah, kid. You know, yeah. You and everybody else. Yeah, and, I know. Yeah. But then I, uh, I remember my piano teacher at the time, her husband taught drums in the, in the garage. Oh, and fun, so fun. I remember hearing drum lessons during my piano lessons and thinking, wow, that sounds so much more fun than what <laughs> I'm doing right now. And so that's when I started learning drums and, and, uh, all through school, I when it was in drum line, jazz band, all of that. Oh, good. I went to drum line at university of Arizona. Oh, fun. So, yeah, was, then fun. I, yeah. Is it true that you, then you won a guitar in a raffle and that's how yeah. guitar started. That's crazy. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was, uh, um, I, even when I was putting my number in, you know, my name in for, for that raffle, I remember yeah. thinking, um, you know, Lord, if, 
just praying, Lord, if you want me to win this guitar, I'll learn how to play it. But that's like, it's almost like, and then I got the call, you know, the next day you want it. It's like, well, you know, I promised the Lord I'd, I'd learn how to play it. And so I always grew up with a guitar around the house, but you know, my dad just had acoustic guitars and they're a little bit harder to learn, you know, a little bit more. Oh, so this was an electric. This was an electric guitar. Yeah, yeah that is harder. Um, at least you didn't say, you didn't say, God, if I win this guitar, I promise that I will dedicate all my music to you. <laughs> Were you doing that already? Were you already thinking like, I want to do music ministry? Like, was that a thing for you? Um, at that time, I think I was more middle school age. Okay, yeah, so I didn't really have a sense yeah. of yeah. Uh, okay. really wanting to yet. But then that's when I started... Um, you know, being asked to, Hey, well, now that I know how to play guitar, they started asking me, can you play for the youth group? Uh, can you play for this? We're starting a teen mass. Can you play for this teen right. mass that we're starting? And, you know, things like, so that's when I started uh, getting into the music ministry from there. So when did you, you studied music, right? But I think you also studied engineering. So when did you yep. decide, like, I want to do the music thing and not the engineering thing? <laughs> well, I always loved music especially in high school i really felt that call to serve in music ministry yeah it was almost like engineering was a, a backup plan for me <laughs> i just knew that i i knew that i had to study engineering in order to do engineering but in my heart i, I just knew that music was my uh, first love you know that i really felt called to do and did you feel that you want to do like secular music or were you always thinking no i want to do like ministry or, or worship music Primarily it was ministry. Yeah. I love secular music. I just yeah, you know, I love so so many types of music and I love playing, you know, so yeah. so many different types of music. But really in my heart it was it was music ministry. I really felt that call on my heart. So I know you have a band ever new, um, but but I'm kind of a little sort of not sure is is there more like David Maris the band? He wants to do record and, and worship, lead worship with the band. Or because it really seems to me that the work you do at the parish is kind of yeah. where your heart is, like especially those compositions and you're putting out psalms. I mean, there's so many settings and you're helping music ministers do their craft. Do you see that that's kind of yeah. the core of your ministry? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially as my role as a music director at the parish, I really, yeah. uh, really serving all of the different ministries at the parish, whether that's, you know, life teen or our men's, women's ministries. Um, even at, the, at our school, you know, helping with their school masses. It's, I just love all of the aspects of that ministry and um, really community is really important. And that's actually where the band came out of was okay. it was all members that we were, you know, serving for retreats together. And uh, we, we started writing together and uh, that's where the band came out of. So really it's almost an extension of, of this, you know, so it's. Um, yeah. Do you, do you really see that there's a need for that kind of formation for parish musicians? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's something I'm very passionate about. It's uh, I've even been, there are certain musicians that have come up through our music ministry, even now that, that I meet with and uh, teach them things about liturgy, about ministry, right. About serving, you know, pastorally, how to serve pastorally, things like that. And uh, we meet and, and talk and um, that's something I just really love passing on and sharing. That's interesting because I, I mean, you know, uh, people, if somebody wants to be a, a youth minister, they can go and get a, you know, a degree or a diploma in youth ministry. I don't even know if you can do like a diploma in liturgical music. I suppose you could specialize in liturgy or something like that, but I don't even know if yeah. that exists. Yeah. There's liturgy. There's uh, like a sacred music degree, but a lot of those specialize in um, more of the, 
you know, yeah, the sacred music. Side, yeah. yeah, they also, yeah, this is a very specific, um, you know, piece, sacred music pieces that yes. you turn on the organ or singing. Okay. And, uh, but that's, there's a, um, all of the aspects of being a music director that's so uh, diverse, you know, all of the different ways that you have to serve. It's, um, I love just diving into all of that and passing all of that on. Yeah. Especially yeah, the sure. pastoral side of that, how to serve people. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. That's a, such a unique uh, calling, I think, and, 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 and an important one. And it's good to, it's good to know that even though you're doing great work with the band, I mean, that it's sort of really rooted in this other more important work that you're doing yeah. uh, in the parish yeah. and as a, as a, really as a formator, as a teacher, um, yeah. David, I, um, that's all the time we have, but I'm really glad that we got to meet. Um, I really, really like the music um the 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 album that you put out with the band victorious yeah is that the the first ep that came out out of the band yep yeah that's our first ep so are you hoping to do more is there more music i mean i know you're writing liturgical stuff but are you writing more more music for the band yeah yeah, yeah. we are and well that's something we're hoping to every few years to release release okay. another album or ep um, and that's part of our promise, even as our name ever new, you know, we have to write exactly. the promise, you know, we had, we're going to stay ever new, even stay ourselves. Ever new. So we're well, going to just keep writing together and keep producing music together. That's good. That's a good, uh, good to know. Cause it's a good excuse to get you back on the show and we can get more <laughs> of your music. Um, David, uh, again, good to meet you. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, I really have to go to Phoenix now and go to mass at St. Tim's. <laughs> sure, yeah, um, so, so one of these days, uh, God bless and, uh, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. God bless as well. You can find out more about David Mares and his band Evernew at his website, davidmaresmusic.com. It's Mares, M-A-R-E-S, davidmaresmusic.com. I'll put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Um, and to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to our website as well, slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now to take us out is Evernew with All Glory Be to God from their album, Victorious.
listening to David Marius and his band Ever New with All Glory Be to God from their album Victorious. This is a special best of edition of the Sultanite Hour. I'm Vito Pedro. Check us out at slmedia.org slash podcast. Welcome to the Sultanite Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I'm not, I have to be honest, I'm not a big video game user. Maybe it's just because I'm too old. When I was a teenager, the most popular game was Pac-Man, which was a great game. But I do recognize that many young people are playing video games. And if you want to reach them, you have to find them where they're at. So can video games be used for evangelization? Absolutely. I think so. And to prove it, now there's a new virtual reality game. So not just any old little Pac-Man game. This is virtual reality at its best, based on the David and Goliath story. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Jerem Sidwell. He's the founder and CEO of Immersive History. He's also the director of the team that put together the game DVG Conquering Giants. Jerem, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, this is great. So, um, Ah, I have so many questions, but what, why, how did this idea of doing a video game based on the David and Goliath story come about? Yeah. So, well, first my background's in visual effects. I worked in films like Avatar and LA, New Zealand, all over the place. And um, I just saw the greats making their stories, you know, Steven Spielberg and Mm -hmm. James Cameron. And so about five years ago, I was, um, you know, dabbling in VR. Uh, this is, you know, five or six years ago before people even knew what VR was. Right. And I thought, what an important medium and a powerful medium to tell new stories and immerse people in environments and experiences and the stories. And and so what I did is I I uh, decided that hey, I, it was actually a bit of a spiritual prompting and nudge to say, Jerem, you've made those worlds for other people. Make ancient Jerusalem for me and right and yeah so that that got me down the path of huh. we've actually built the full-scale model of ancient Jerusalem wow in the Christ and we partnered with Bill Isler who's the founder and, and the publishing partner on the game um, and he said well what what would you do to make this uh, you know alive for everybody else and I said let's make David versus Goliath a full-scale game and that's what we did nice that was a well, long answer, but that was no. That's, that's good, actually. I'm glad that you mentioned your background in in, in the film industry because that's the, I mean that's a whole other interview in itself um, of how you made that transition. And I, and I'm glad you mentioned about that spiritual prompting because clearly it seems to me that there's a bigger there's a bigger mission here. Uh, and before we get get to that, so is it? I mean, I get it. It's David and Goliath. It's the underdog. Is it really? A, can you explain how the game works uh, for people who maybe are not familiar with VR, virtual reality? Like, how, how, how does it work? How, what, what does the game look yeah. like? VR is is really cool. It's it's like if you're not a full on console gamer and like punching buttons on the controller, this is this is VR is perfect for you because yeah. it's immersive and it's fun and it's engaging. So you slide a little headset on okay. and you put some controllers on your hand and then your actions become the player. You are literally the player. So yeah. in the game, uh, you know, David fights a bear and the bear throws like boulders, beehives <laughs> and, and like basically trees at you. And the way that you dodge that is you just, you know, duck. You actually dodge. Or yeah. lean to the side. Yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's an active game. It's really fun. You, you pump your hands to move around. 
Uh, you use a sling or a slingshot by pulling back or winding up and, and releasing. And you basically, you know, go along with David as David on his journey fighting wolves and a lion, a bear and Goliath all with, you know, the intent to save your flock and protect your family. Right. And so you, you said that you put on a headset. So everything that you're seeing, like you're in that environment, you're seeing the forest or the Coliseum or the Coliseum wrong city um, or wherever you're at. Right. Is, is that, that's what it is. If you can imagine um, taking a giant screen TV, like an 80, hundred inch TV and wrapping it around your head. So it, it's, you know, uh-huh. around the back of your head and in the front and as far down and up as you can see, you're seeing, you know, a movie play out. Right. Right. That's what, that's what VR does. So if you look to the left, there could be wolves coming from that way. Or if you look to the right, there could be a lion. Running right. So you. if there's someone behind you, could you actually have to turn around to see behind you? Yes. Yeah. And that's part wow. of the spatial audio design is you can hear the wolves creeping up. And so you kind of got to be really that's active crazy. And, and alert to, to really get into it and save your flock. That's crazy. So, so let me get to the, to the spiritual prompt. Um, is the hope that, that you're somehow reaching young people with a positive story of evangelizing them? Or is it really this just, you know, some shepherd boy that's fighting bears and wolves and giants? There, there's certainly, you know, moral lessons woven mm-hmm. into the story. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a simple, it's a simple story, right? You know, David uh, is, is coming of age and his father, Jesse, is there, right? And he's an he's a animated character and he's, he's teaching you lessons along the way. Okay. Like, you know, uh, every sheep is precious. Go and rescue the one. When your sheep gets lost, and that actually introduces the lion. Right. right? So you follow your sheep. Interesting. Into or be beware of danger lurking in the tall grass. It's unseen. Those kind of things have, have brought up discussions in, inside of our playtesting groups where people are like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean, kids, to, you know, rescue the one? Or who is our flock? And so... The design is first and foremost, it's a game. It's fun. Everyone can play it. And that actually makes it for the perfect evangelizing tool where, hey, you guys want to come play VR? It's yeah. David's a Goliath. And, and you have fun playing the game, but it can also lead to those moral and biblical lessons. Right. Interesting. And like you said, they're built in, even if it's a hint of them, they're built into the game so that it's easy for if you want to do it as a youth group or as a youth leader, you, you could build it in. Now, is it for only for young people? I mean, you're not, you're younger than me, I think, but um, it sounds like you, you would enjoy playing the game. Is this a game that I could play? Anybody can play a grandparent. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anybody can play it. And in fact, you know, we've had people, you, you can actually play it. Well, I'm a very active user. Let me say where I love yep. jumping around and slinging yep. and like trying to kick the wolves and, you know, yes. <laughs> and that's, that's the magic of the yard. But we also, it's designed that if you change the settings in the game, you can play with a slingshot where all you need to do is, is okay. pull back a little bit with one hand and you can shoot everything and, and actually beat the game sitting down in a chair. Okay, interesting. So uh, that, because we do want it to have that wide reach and of course people people love it and we've had uh, you know parents play it with their kids or um, you know Bill, our, our publishing partner took it to uh, you know, uh, an old folks home and they all got in wow. and played it. And, and so That's great. Uh, it's, it, it really is designed for everybody with the, with the intent though, and that target audience to be that younger mm-hmm. age group of, you know, teenagers and preteen to, to like what you're saying is to really connect with them and to speak their language and to meet them 
on their own terms. Yeah. Is it, tell me a little bit of, about the, the mission, if I can call it that, of immersive history. Is, is your hope to create more games like this that are providing opportunities or evangelization opportunities for young people? Or, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're, you're developing other shows. I can imagine, is there like a, a save Jesus from being crucified game coming down the pipes or anything like that? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes, there are. In fact, um, one of the things that we have is, is we created all of this started with that Jerusalem, right? Where mm-hmm. we, we created that. And so we created it in VR. And then uh, we realized that the sales for VR, it, it was kind of a business decision. Uh, the sales for the headsets weren't as um, as high as we'd like over the last five years. And, and we're really starting to see that trend now where people are, because a headset is only $300 now and it doesn't require a computer. It's just it's all right there. And so people right. are really getting into it and they're, they're loving it. So what we're doing and in the process of doing is taking all the Jerusalem stuff that we made and, and Moses's tabernacle and putting that out on the store so that people can experience that in, you know, guided tours and just like a free roam. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I might talk to you later, but maybe we have. Yeah, a I'd love to. Yeah. I think that would be appealing for a lot of people that, you know, to travel. I'd love to see what the Jerusalem temple was like, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and what's really cool is that it just brings everything to life. You know, we've had people say, after going through the tabernacle, they're like, I learned more in 15 minutes than yeah. I had in 15 years. Right. Because it just, everything that you've heard and read, you are now living and experiencing in a one-to-one ratio. So. Yeah. Wow. That sounds fascinating and, and absolutely opportunities to uh, to talk some more, Jerem. Um, uh, immersive history. I, I like that, I, that concept. And of course, the game, I'm sure it's going to be appealing for a lot of people, maybe even someone like me. I can uh, ditch Pac-Man and start playing DVG, Conquering Giants. Um, thank you for telling us a little bit about, about what you do and about this game. And I hope that our, our, our listeners are intrigued and uh, we'll go and find out more. Jerem, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Jerem Sidwell, he's the founder and CEO of Immersive History and uh, the, the team leader, director of the creators of DVG Conquering Giants. The game is now available on Steam VR and coming soon to Oculus Quest 2 and PlayStation VR. You can find out more at dvgthegame.com. And if you missed part of that conversation or to listen to it again, visit us at slmedia.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Andrea Thomas, with Find Me from her album, Will You Go?
Thomas with Find Me from her album Will You Go. Andrew Thomas is a worship leader, songwriter, and speaker from Cincinnati, Ohio. Having toured and recorded with Colin Ray, Andrea Thomas released two albums before she embarked on a project with several other Catholic artists, which has turned into a full ministry organization called The Vigil Project that we featured on this program for our last Christmas special. So, of course, we wanted to feature Andrea on our show. I had the chance to speak with her earlier this week. Andrea, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to kind of finally finally be on your show. This is so exciting. There you go. That's what everybody dreams to be on my show, right? Um, uh, I always like- Well, to... everybody has been on your show though. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's true. Everybody's been on your show. So now I get to join the ranks. Yes, welcome. Um, Tell me a little bit about about growing up. Uh, you live in Cincinnati. Did you grow up in Cincinnati? What was growing up like? Yes, I'm from here. I'm from Cincinnati, where I'm I'm back living now, and I I love it here. Um, I am from a really massive Italian family here, so I'm one of nine kids, and um, I have uh, there. I'm one of sixty one cousins on my mom's side oh my from God. here. Yes. But then to even it out, to be fair, I have one cousin on my dad's side. So, you know, that kind of evens it out. But um, yeah, so huge Italian family, <laughs> big foodie family, like those families that like everything you do revolves around food. Right. Like that's us. Um, and, you know, super blessed to be from a, a Catholic family, I was raised with the faith. And, um, okay, because you know, gonna... my family truly is incredible. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, big family, Italian, Catholic, mm-hmm. kind of everybody. Yeah. Trumped up to mass every Sunday, take up a whole pew, that kind of thing. We are a whole pew kind of family. How did you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> was there a lot of music growing up at home? Um, both my parents have appreciation and affinity for music, um, but neither of them were musicians, um, so to speak. Neither of them were writers. My dad actually gave me, I'm looking at it right here in my office, um, mm. 
his first ever like vinyl record from when he was in a boys choir in the seventh grade, um, which is so precious and sweet. And then my mom did some singing at church growing up, but nothing, nothing hugely profound. I, I can't really explain my leaning to music other than, you know, just one of those things. I feel like it's been sort of in my, in my heart ever since I can remember one of those cheesy lines, you know, but but I truly so. Ever since you can remember when, when do you remember it's sort of beginning? Maybe not just the, well, you know, they say, maybe I was going to say, maybe not just the love for music, but playing an instrument or writing your first song. Like when did that begin? Yeah. Well, you know how they say like she danced before she could walk. My parents actually have like footage of me hoisting myself up on a coffee table and really like truly (laughs) dancing before I could walk. Um, And I was a girl after two boys in my family. So I'm number three. And when you have two older brothers, you tend to be super competitive. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was like sports and music. Um, I don't think I'm the most natural musician in my family though. Like I think a couple of my siblings have definitely more sort of innate ability, I would say, um, just based on how they play by ear now. But, um, I just, you know, started singing when I was in grade school and got involved in choirs and things like that. And then when Mm -hmm. I was in high school is when, and I, I stopped playing volleyball in high school, um, like in my latter years, because I really started thinking, I love this enough that I might just want to dedicate my, my life and my career. So I couldn't see professional volleyball really going anywhere. So I'm like, I've got to sort of, I only have so many hours. So I dropped sports and I really just delved into the arts in my latter years in college and and high school and then into college. So So you you pursued um, music in college? I started out studying um, what what they call commercial vocal performance at Belmont University in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've heard of VeggieTales, the oh, kids yes, show VeggieTales. Yes. 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 On a complete whim, Deacon, true story, complete whim. At the end of my first semester of college, they happened to be hosting the auditions on campus. And I pulled an all-nighter with a friend and just needed to stay up. So I heard one time that even better than a cup of coffee, oxygen actually wakes up your body. So I'm like, let's work out. So we'd stay up all night like crazy college kids. Went to the gym at like six o'clock in the morning. No one's there. And I see this yeah. sign that says VeggieTales auditions. And I just told you there's a million kids in my family. So I'm like, we well, yeah. know what that is. Like, what are yeah. they auditioning for? And it turned out they were auditioning for a live stage show. And on a whim, I went in and, and auditioned. And would you know, they they cast me as the lead for a hundred show music tour the following spring. So oh I ended God. up, yeah. So I ended so- up taking off the semester, which gave my parents an absolute heart attack, of course. And, um, but it was the best opportunity I could have asked for because it yeah, really gave me some what- real life experience. Yeah. And, and some money. Um, yes. Uh, so it's like you, so like you were like wearing a cucumber costume for a hundred people shows? ask that all the time. <laughs> I was actually their human best friend. So if you can sort of imagine taking, you know, kids to like a kid yes. show and you've got like the kind of semi annoying, <laughs> like kind of high pitched high energy, like, you know, best friend that keeps the show going. Like you're yeah, looking at her. That, that would was, have been you. Yeah. Cause that's strange. Cause you're not very high energy at all. <laughs> Well, those dance skills from the time I was two that kind of kicked in there too. Oh, it wow. was a very high, high performance show. That's great. So when did you when did you start writing, writing music or writing your first song? Good question. Right around, right around then. Yeah. Um, and it's and it and it's funny how music um can sort of, you know, music and and if it's fascinating to me how people that go through difficult seasons in life that are artistic art kind of tends to be birthed from that place. Like there's like, 
mm-hmm. you know, either the high highs or the low lows is kind of like in many, many moments, not all, but in a lot of moments, it tends to be where you write from. Mm-hmm. And I remember after that tour, it was, the tour was coming to an end. And I remember really wanting to go back to Nashville and performance. Like my, I really felt like that's what I was supposed to do with my life was uh, musical theater was my first love and mm-hmm. artistic love. And I wanted to go be a secular artist and, and perform um, and really felt like I had that in my future. And then I will never forget though, nearing the end of that tour. And I could not deny the lack of peace in my heart, going back to that world, going back mm-hmm. to everything I had built in Nashville. Um, and I, other than just telling you, it was a, a grace. Um, you know, I just felt like God was asking me to go another direction. And that's when it was truly to that point in my life, probably the toughest decision I ever made. I was so distraught about it because I couldn't, it wasn't reasonable. You know, I was like, even mm-hmm. on scholarship, there was it things that really is. were pulling yeah. me back. Yeah. And, um, I, I just knew that he was asking me to take a leap of faith. So that's when I totally shifted gears and I ended up transferring up to study business and theology at Franciscan university. And that's where I finished my degree. And in that turmoil, I would say is when I started writing. Yeah. Wow. So there was a little bit of a conversion, a little bit of a nudge there. Um, our listeners are familiar with the vigil project. And I know that you were instrumental in, in that, that project kind of coming together. (laughs) Um, Do you find that, cause you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you had two albums before the vigil project. And then now uh, is a lot of your work then yes. with the Vigil Project, like Andrea Thomas is no more. And now like, tell me about that transition. Well, n- I will never, we, we were very huge on artists not losing their identity. Like I've been actually writing an out, al- like a, my, my third album for the last couple of years. And we'll see when that gets recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of my work, at least the last, has been collaboration with the other artists in the collective of the Vigil Project. Mm-hmm. Music, we say, um, you know, the Vigil Project featuring this artist. So yes. I do think it's important that we, you know, we, we maintain sort of that, um, the, the identity of who we are. And at the same time, it's been a, one of the greatest joys to sort of, you know, uh, experience collaboration in a very true way and bringing my strengths to the table and having them complemented with someone else's strengths and maybe the things I'm not good at you know, mm-hmm. be elevated because I'm, I'm rubbing elbows with somebody who's really good at that thing. It's been a real amazing experience. Um, and I did not see the vigil project coming in my future at all. I didn't know I'd be a founding member of this group. I, at all, it sort of happened. I, we joked that it was a happy accident, but you know, you mm-hmm. look back hindsight 2020, God was setting us up for it the whole time. Yeah, um, course. but when I was in the performance world, I'll tell you what, Deacon, the one place I did not want to be was Catholic music. I'm like, Lord, listen, <laughs> anywhere but there. Okay. Like anywhere but there. And now that I'm here, I really truly like look, I look at, at where, what, like the movement of the spirit, it, it's nothing short of miraculous. And, and I feel like it's been a path of discovery of what was actually in my heart the whole time, because I believe right now for a time such as this one in our church, authentically beautiful, excellent music and art can be such a healer in a world that is, uh, you know, right now, let's just be honest. It's, it's not easy out there and people are broken and it's, and it's tough. And so I think like kind of holding that, that, that kind of torch high, um, Mm -hmm. for people to be drawn to the light and drawn to the beauty is, um, it's a privilege. It, it is. And, and maybe again, it's a good, it's a good place for a plug for the vigil project. If there are anyone listening and they are not familiar with the vigil project, the vigil project.com. And now that we're in Lent, 
it's there's lots of great resources there and as andrea said it's such a healing and it's that beauty and it's not just the music i think you'll be pleasantly uh um uh surprised maybe not surprised uh that uh, the just the videos the 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 content it's just that sort of retreat experience i mean i'm not describing it well at all here but uh um maybe that's enough to get people interested in going um andrea we have to leave it there but i do hope that you Mm -hmm. can finish your third album so that we can have an excuse to get you back on the show and play some of your music so that it's not just the vigil project featuring andrea thomas but andrea thomas um but it's been really good meeting i'll take that challenge yes do it (laughs) great to meet you finally as well really really good to meet you and uh thank you for doing for for doing what you're doing keep keep doing it because that's definitely where you need to be um and that's clear from just from seeing the joy that you radiate when you talk about it um so that has been that has been wonderful anyway so it's been great talking with you you, and uh we'll stay in touch god bless wonderful god bless you thank you for your work that was a conversation i had with andrea thomas earlier this week you can learn more about andrea thomas at her website andreathomasmusic.com and to learn more about the vigil project go to thevigilproject.com and to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now to take us out is Andrea Thomas with Hosanna from The Vigil Project's Devotion, Volume 1. Hosanna 
from the Vigil Project's Devotion Volume 1. And that will take us to the end of this special best of edition of the Saltonite Hour. Remember to check us out at esselmedia.org. That's where you can listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs and watch all our other programs. That's also where you can find out everything you want to know about Salt and Light Media and how you can support our ministry because we can't do what we do without your financial support. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note. Don't be shy. Pedro at esselmedia.org. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Deacon Pedro. Thank you for spending this time with us today. This has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.